Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Phantom candidates running in South Jersey, a fugazi, don't fall for it. A judge has said no more expenditures by this group running the Fugazi candidates. But still, please trust me when I tell you this is a real problem. We'll talk to Chris Del Borello. He's running for state senate in South Jersey in a little bit in the show. Welcome back. Friday edition, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us today. Every day, of course, we appreciate your time. And we always appreciate the fact that Dr. Wilfred Riley makes time for us every Friday that he does. And he is the author of a brand new book coming out very, very soon. Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me. Please make sure you pre-order your copy today, Dr. Wilfred Riley. How are you? Doing pretty well. Glad to be uh, back on the show. You know, it's uh, a good time because more than 100 bird species have to be renamed because of racism. And I think we should, it's thank God we're finally addressing this problem. I, I, I haven't been able to sleep over this in years. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, I actually thought this was a joke when I first saw it, honestly. Like, I mean, we're both used to all kind of crazy stories from the woke folks, from the left, sometimes from the right. But, I mean, this popped up from the New York Post. And it was like they're renaming the, what, the Audubon's goose and all these, these birds. I mean, I'm not a bird watcher, but like different larks and finches and such. And the reason, apparently, is that they were named after bad people. I mean, um... One of them was named after a madam who apparently is someone who runs a house of iniquity. But, I mean, most of them were named after people who had been racist. Uh, some of them had owned slaves, I guess, in the past. I mean, you're talking about these sort of long-bearded ornithologists in, you know, 1850 that first discovered these these animals. I mean, they were fighting the Indians, and they saw a new species of prairie chicken or whatever. So a hundred of these birds have been renamed, 112 birds. And they've just been given innocuous names like brown American prairie chicken and so on. So, um, yeah, that's that's the situation over in birding. By the way, when anybody orders fried chicken, do they do they wonder that they might be eating the brown prairie chicken and that it might be racist and 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 send it back? Does that is that ever happened in the history of fried chicken that you know of? Because I'm a big fried chicken guy. I love it personally. 
Well, I, I think that if you're if you're this type of person, your sensitivity about fried chicken would probably be appropriating black or southern culture. So, I mean, if you're just you're just a guy from Philly <laughs> or Brooklyn, you shouldn't be eating fried chicken anyway because you're stealing the great honorable heritage of the south of the Mason Dixon region. I don't know. I imagine it would be pretty difficult to actually live like this. And I also I don't think that anybody does. I mean, I've you know been in been in relationships with several pretty feminist people. I have some friends that are, you know, staunch Democratic Party voters. And in practice, I mean, they're not signing written consent contracts every time they go to bars and so on. It's just the stuff that's said publicly, I think, has a negative downstream impact because other people hear it and they think that this is the norm and they think people really do live like this. And it creeps into these weird spaces where scientists are now being harassed by their grad students to change the names of the birds. So that that actually that just happened. We have new birds now. And let's not forget, a lot of the birds were misogynistic, too. Not just racist, but also misogynistic. As scientists, we work to eliminate bias in science, but there has been historic bias in how birds are named and who might have a bird named in their honor, said AOS Executive Director and CEO Judith Scarl, Ph.D., in a statement that was put out. Uh, the fact that they have Ph.D.s is shocking. Exclusionary naming conventions developed in the 1800s clouded by racism and misogyny and they don't work for us today. And the time has come for us to transform this process and redirect the focus to the birds where it belongs. You know, nobody was thinking about this. No one. So if I'm a bird right now, I'm a little bit ticked off because now people want to change my name. And up until five minutes ago, nobody had a problem with this. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, well, the the misogyny. So there are a couple different things there. I mean, first of all, yeah, ornithologists uh, have usually a couple of uh, master's or Ph.D. level degrees. I mean, they are pretty serious scientists and they actually they have real jobs. I mean, they do things. They're in charge, I'd assume, of the American poultry farming industry. And they're the people who track bird migrations and they tell you how many bald eagles there are and so on. But I mean, you know, listening to that, I noticed that the head of the American Ornithological Society is now a young, as I recall, a female, pretty left leaning person. Again, you normally picture a guy with a, a beard and spectacles who's been you know, out in the field chasing these, these ducks around for a period of decades. So you you're, you're seeing this desire to be kind of woke, to be kind of hip, creep into the professional associations. And I, I will say, not to at all shift the subject here, but in this case, it's just funny. Like, at some level, nobody cares. Like, one of the birds that had its name changed, as I recall, was the babbling pit. And that's a type <laughs> of small finch. But you can't say that on the radio, with, but I don't think we have to dump it because it's an actual uh, bird name. So I think you're good. Yeah, it's a bird. It's like saying cock of the walk, which is right. it's a bird. They're all they're you know avians. But yeah. the I, I think that young business women, to the extent any care about this, might be offended. The idea is that women are hypersexual and they make a lot of noise or something. This, of course, has nothing to do with the name of the bird, which is known for kind of loud warbling screeches. But anyway, so this stuff is funny. But the same pattern of very young, aggressive. Um, left-leaning leaders from an increasingly feminized culture, you see in institutions where it does matter, like the American Psychological Association with the transing the kids and so on. And that, that's where I think it gets a little more relevant. But the bird thing, funny.
Funny is right. The bird thing is very funny. I, I will give you that. No question about it. But what's not funny, though, is Nicole Hannah-Jones. Uh, reparations and the decolonization mindset. There was a piece that your colleague at National Review, Dan McLaughlin, wrote about this. And he said, you know, we should not be surprised that supporters of racial reparations are siding with the murderers of Jews on a theory of old grievances. Uh, there's a lot of very distressing things that are occurring in this country right now. We, we drove out of work last night up by 30 street station there's all these protesters pro-palestinian protesters pro-hamas shutting down traffic and first of all you're never going to win hearts and minds doing that that's a nobody want nobody's ever going to say great i'm sitting in traffic now i'm going to be on your side i'm joining your cause because you've made me late to get home to my family after being at work all day but two there's a lot of this and what's amazing and we've talked about this a little bit how many of these people on the left who scream about racial injustice are also supporting the the people that hate the Jews. I mean, it's it's very, very disturbing. Yeah. And again, I, I think there are a couple elements there. First of all, I think the American protest movement would be cut in half and would change dramatically if you just passed a law saying that there's no penalty or it's a misdemeanor offense. If you just hit someone who's standing in the middle of the road with your vehicle. Like, the, the entire idea that you can protest by standing in the middle of a highway and delaying ambulances, police cars, emergency vehicles, that's absolutely insane. I, I don't know when we started tolerating that. I don't think that would have been survivable in Chicago in the 1990s, and we should, uh, we should go back to honoring the ancestors when it, when it comes to that. But in terms of the, the, the reparations argument and the connection between this and the, the Israel fight, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. And the underlying idea there is basically just that Western culture is evil. It's, it's actually important to understand this, because the claim against Israel is that Israel is what's called a settler colonial state. The Jews came into what was a peaceful, civilized Muslim area and took the land. Now, this is nonsense, but whatever. And the same thing underlies the claim against reparations. Like, black people were taken from Wakanda, brought here, made to work as slaves, they're owed all the wages that were stolen during this period. And all of this ties to the idea that, like, what we did, what Western culture did was was uniquely bad. So you're not supposed to ask obvious questions, like, was there a country called Palestine before Israel got there, or were they just oppressed by other Arabs? Or would black people be better off if our ancestors had never come to the USA and I were living in Congo instead? The, the theme is, like, white guy bad. And that's why all of these ideas seem to tie together that don't inherently have anything to do with one another. That's why if you see someone wearing a free Palestine shirt, you almost automatically know what their position is on reparations, Black Lives Matter, and a bunch of things that don't even make sense, like abortion. Yeah. Uh, I, who was that? I think it was uh, Tulsi Gabbard the other night made this great point about about that whole issue and how there's nobody in Palestine who agrees. None of the, the Palestinians or, or Hamas agree with any of the causes that these woke social justice warrior groups agree with, nor do they agree with their ability to say and support these ideas. Like they don't allow people to go out there and have protest in support of LGBTQ plus plus IA every or the alphabet issues it's not allowed it's not tolerated there there's no free speech there either this is the problem too but let let me um 
Let me pivot to something that I wanted to to bring up because I think that this goes a lot into what we're talking about right now, uh, just in, in in general with with corporations and these other places that are kind of bending over backwards right now to show that they are woke. And I, I don't know why they keep doing this. Maybe it's their DEI score. Maybe you can enlighten us on that, Doctor Wilfred Riley. But the CEO of Target, Brian Cornell was pressed on Thursday about specific Target products that generated a boycott starting in May. Remember, this is when Target had the the tucking onesies, which I don't think if Target had a, a store in, in in Gaza, they would sell the tucking onesies for the little boys. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think they'd have the rainbow onesies if, if they did have a store in, in Gaza. But anyway, um, he came out and he said that the abysmal sales that occurred and com- said that conservatives who were upset about the transgender merchandise and the rainbow merchandise were more dangerous to employees than George Floyd rioters. Now, from where I sit, if you didn't like the merchandise, you just didn't shop there. So that's how conservatives responded. They just didn't shop there. But somehow he says that the people who were rioting and looting his stores, literally causing Target stores to shut down in major metropolitan areas, were more dangerous than conservatives who just simply stopped shopping at Target. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those things that, as an academic, we would say is empirically measurable. So you hear this a lot from kind of mainstream and left-wing politicians and business people, right? Like the idea that the biggest terrorist threat to the country is white supremacy. And you, you actually can just measure that. Like if you go back to 2000, which would include 9-11, so on down the line, might include Oklahoma City. I, I, don't, I don't know about that one. But were there more people killed by white supremacists or were there more people killed by Islamic terrorism or gang violence, if you want to throw that in there and so on down the line? And the answer is pretty clear. I mean, on uh, 9-11 alone, I believe there were 3,400 deaths. So when someone says something like that, you understand that's kind of a political message like that. That doesn't empirically make a whole lot of sense. And there are often these, these crazy weasel words that are used to get to that point, like, White supremacy is the most dangerous post-2002 domestic terrorist threat to the USA. And you learn in my field to kind of kind of look out for this kind of stuff. It's, it's the same thing with Target. I mean, the George Floyd riots and the resulting uh, surge in crime shut something like 10 or 12 Target stores. So was, was there that same kind of impact from, you know, white guys walking in and kicking a rag, rack of rainbow flags? I mean, no. Yeah, no. he's lying. I mean, that would, that would be my take. Yeah, I mean, there might have been a guy who walked in and made a comment or something like that, but that's it. But people that I know were just just did not like the fact that Target was selling this stuff, and they walked in and you know they took videos of it and they showed that, and then people said, "All right, well now I'm not shopping at Target." That that's usually how conservatives respond to things. They don't organize boycotts. They don't they don't tend to go out there and protest and loot, and they don't tend to to spend a lot of time telling people what to do in their own time. They just make individual choices. You know, I'm not going to spend my money at that place because they hate me so i'm going to use my money someplace else it's just a choice you make in the marketplace i never consider that to be a boycott you know if i know somebody for example does not like a conservative i'm not going to buy their product i'm not going to use their product if i can support somebody whose visions and ideas are more aligned with mine i mean we have sponsors on this radio show for example 
who take a lot of grief from the left for sponsoring my radio show and our radio station. They get a lot of grief and they stand with us anyway. And I I salute them for that. But you have other companies. Uh, Harry's razor is a great example of this. They used to advertise on the station. I think Harry's kind of built their, their, their bones by advertising on conservative talk radio. Nobody had ever heard of them. The first time I ever heard their ad was on the Rush Limbaugh show years ago. They built up their brand and then all of a sudden they pulled all their dollars away from that they went woke and i think you know they and other companies are now into the whole you know women who've transitioned into men are now shaving and you know you know and and they want nothing to do with conservative radio anymore so i'm not going to buy their freaking razors anymore if that's how they want to be i have no interest in doing that yeah so i mean like my first reaction to that is i'm actually kind of lazy and amoral like, I'm, I'm not the biggest boycotter in the world. Like, if I were in an event and someone handed me a Budweiser, if I were, I mean, on the other side, like, I'm kind of pro-gay rights, but if someone gave me a sandwich from Chick-fil-A, I'm not going to launch into a diet, kind of like when we were talking about how feminists actually are dating. Like, I'm not going to launch into a diatribe about, you know, the company's business policies and all that. But with that said, yeah, obviously, you should not go out of your way to support people that don't like you. And I, I think the right's moving in that direction. With the Harry's Razor thing, I mean, my guess would be that they're just big enough now to have an ESG score. So Probably. I mean, you see, yeah. yeah, you see, you saw this a little bit with Black Rifle Coffee too. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that brand; still drink their coffee. But I mean, where they they were asked about kind of the dissident, not really racist, right? But they said, well, we don't want any of those people, you know, buying our product. If I recall the quote. And it became like a little thing on Twitter for a couple of days. And I mean, my guess would be that Black Rifle Coffee, which is a bunch of combat veterans from Iraq. They don't really have passionate feelings about political correctness. It's just you understand you're going to get into eight or nine times as many markets if you, you say that crap once or twice a year. You know, it's, it's the difference between being an underground recording artist and signing a major label deal in terms of visibility. Like, unless you do that, you're not going to, as you're starting to now, you're not going to see Harry's Razor's ads on ESPN and so on. If you're below ESG level X, if you're below, you know, kind of fund listing level Y, the the last point though is like when you said conservatives right now or there 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 aren't even a lot of boycotts people are just expressing their opinions together i actually think that even that is more than what used to happen so i mean over the past couple of years you've actually seen the right get sick of cancel culture and say okay we're going to have to start doing some of this too like there are a lot more housewives and local lawyers and quote unquote bros that have money to spend than there are purple haired radicals and we need to start expressing ourselves. So like if you read the business trades, which I still sometimes do, the most successful campaigns of the past year and a half have all been from the right. I mean like Bud Light's lost like twenty five percent of its market value. And that, that translates to InBev, like the whole company. You've got Disney, I mean Disney scrapped their Snow White movie, you know, like you know, multiracial snow and the seven regular sized people <laughs> and like just there's seven dudes and none of them were dwarves but i mean like now they have dwarves it's like four midgets or whatever you're supposed to say and three cgi figures um so these these this is major stuff i mean that's a 300 million dollar budget major motion picture so i i do think you've seen the right we're a little more polite about it we're not out in the streets you know ripping down posters but you are seeing that that financial muscle be flexed and you know with money comes power i think that's substantially more influential than like some protester peeing on a sign in front of your headquarters or something like that 
Oh, no question about it. And I think I think that it's good for people to to exercise that power in the marketplace. I really do. I think it's important. I think it says a lot because these companies have this mindset that everybody out there is woke and that they're catering to them. I mean, they all want to make money. Let's not kid ourselves here. They sit around the boardroom and think, how can they make more money? And if they if they can lose this mindset that everybody out there is woke and stop the nonsense, because it, 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 then maybe things will change. I think years ago, we all, a lot of conservatives just put up with it. It's like, oh, that brand hates my guts. Well, then what are you going to do? I like the brand. And then at some point, uh, a a flip was switched, and there's no going back after that. And people just said, all right, well, then I'm going to spend my money with people that at least don't hate me, like me, and at least don't offend me. And then that that massive power has been eye-opening to the point of now where, yeah, you see, you, you you can push a company like Bud Light. They've gone so in the opposite direction now. I had a laugh the other day when they had their their veterans commercial on or something like that during a game they are trying everything they possibly can but at this point now i think it's too late i think people see through it i think people look at this as being a scam i think people look at it and say you are just trying to save your brand you don't really believe this and there's no credibility there but the the fact of the matter is that i don't think they really believed in dylan mulvaney when they did that i think they just did that because they thought that that would help them make money i and and this this comes to the real heart of the problem Problem. A lot of these companies are completely full of it. They just want to make money and they think that everybody out there, the way to make money is to be not controversial and to embrace all the causes of the left. And that's a bunch of BS. And so if, if they can open their eyes to that fact and say, whoa, oh my gosh, ima- imagine that. People all don't think that way. Hey, that's a hell of a win, Dr. Wilford Riley. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of Bud Light, first of all, I do think they're, they can get their brand back. And I'll say this to a pretty large audience on the Rich Zioli show. Um, my take talking about this online in person, and I, I'm interested in what people think about this, but is that they could get almost their entire market share back if they just apologize for hiring Dylan Mulvaney and said, look, I mean, we're an American frat guy beer brand. You know, dads drink us, too. We know men can't be women. Like, if they just came out and said that, just a normal, obvious thing, and then said nothing political for five years, I think they'd be absolutely fine. I don't think they're going to do that. And part of that is because, like, once you get the virus inside, it's hard to get rid of. I mean, InBev has a high ESG score. They have a department of DEI. They have a 450-person department of HR. Like, once this all starts happening, you can't just say, okay, we made a mistake. Dylan Mulvaney is not a beautiful woman. It's obviously bizarre that this 30-year-old male is dressing up as a 14-year-old girl. Our bad. So I think they can get their brand back. I don't think they're going to. The reason that these companies – so another good point you just made there is that business is totally amoral. Like, we've both been in the business world. Like, of course, they don't care about – gay rights in Palestine or whatever. I mean, their job is selling beer. Like, their job is literally selling alcohol to college kids. You know, so why was there college such a kids huge can't afford first- Bud Light? Just have you have you forgotten? It's, it's Milwaukee's even. best. It's the Beast or something like that. Bud Light, the overserve. Bud Light, that that's for the ladies. That's a classy where they're throwing a mixed party. <laughs> but I mean, like, good. That's the good stuff, bro. But I mean, like, in all seriousness, though, I mean, like, obviously, these companies like Nike which is selling slave-made $300 sneakers to kids in the projects. I mean, bluntly, if you look at the upper end of their, their lineup, they're not actually trying to be good people. Yeah, you know, I'm sure the executives would go home and play with the dog, but that's not the focus of their business model. So why were they focusing strictly on the left? I think because they didn't understand that Twitter and Facebook aren't reality. 
Like, that's really what I think after reading a lot of the analyses. Like, Clay Travis in his book talks really well about this, like why ESPN kept screwing up. Like, you'd go online and you'd see all this praise from people who think, like, Stephen A. Smith is a little right of center. And so you make decisions based on that. Like, we're going to hire mostly female hosts. I mean, when I watch, and my favorite sport is basketball, when you watch NBA coverage, probably about 80% African-American. We're going to do this. We're going to keep making these moves. And what you forget is that there's a giant audience offline that would also like to see some baseball and hockey that's not very high income, that doesn't care about politics at all. And if you appealed to that audience, you would double your profits overnight. That's what Fox News realized, now OAN, Newsmax. So why don't more companies do that? I think it's just a disconnect, like rich kids from Vassar over here and then some regular guy who wants to watch the ball game after work over there. And speaking of Snow White, since you brought it up, uh, and, and this is, I think, a very good way to close out our segment today, Disney's Snow White is on a delay. And the delay reportedly comes from fears it will be a financial disaster, according to insiders. Now, you brought up Disney, and what, how did you refer to it again? Oh, I said it was, I said, it was like something like brown snow and the not seven regular-sized people. I mean, just like people have been making jokes about this for months interracial white i mean but yeah like the the seven regular sized people i think was the standout line the seven regular sized people is very good so now apparently the, the there's a delay going on they're they're blaming it a little bit on the rider strikes but, but but i a lot of other people are turning around now and they're saying things like and i give peter dinklage credit he slammed disney for attempting to remake the effing backward story about seven cave dwelling dwarfs i mean he uh he he came out and he he said that and you know but i i i give him credit i guess for speaking out except the fact of the matter is that i mean he's made money playing a dwarf i mean he's made a lot more money than i've made in my life playing that so i mean sure you know speak your mind and 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 slam away but dude you've made a lot of money by playing a dwarf in i think what is it game of thrones and other movies too i mean in 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 the movie um what is it elf i mean there's a whole that whole scene with him and will ferrell you know say elf again say elf again i mean it's hysterical and he has been rightly compensated for that so i you know i mean to then come around and turn around he at at one point in his acting career peter dinklage was more than happy to take a role as a dwarf because he could get paid and as his career went on and on he made more money and he was happy to take more roles and then all of a sudden he doesn't need the money anymore and so he turns around and now he's he's being critical of of companies that put dwarfs in things and that i I have a problem with that because i mean it's like well then why did you ever take a role as a dwarf in the first place if it's so if it's so offensive that that disney would have the seven dwarfs and you're so offended by the fact that they're still making this stuff why it didn't stop you from being in game of thrones it didn't stop you from 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 being in elf why why are you now thinking that you can come out and 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 be holier than thou it's because you got a big fat bank account yeah, I mean, so first of all, I don't mean to be mean, but Peter Dinklage can't play non-dwarf roles because he's got dwarfism. I mean, right. so th- this whole conversation is a bit idiotic. I mean, Peter Dinklage is three foot nine, so any role he plays is going to be the dwarf X. Like he's listed in credits as like tough dwarf lawyer. So I mean, like what what Dinklage did in this in Game of Thrones, he literally played a violent dwarf swordsman called the Imp. I mean, like, that was his role. He was supposed to be kind of perverse, and, you know, his brother was the greatest sword. Anyway, but 
the whole point of this is what Dinklage did basically was deny seven other dwarf actors, four of whom now apparently have been Correct. hired, good, high-paying roles. Yes. Yeah. And that, that in practice is a lot of what wokeness does. Um, and that, that actually is a good ending place where people will make these bold statements from kind of gated communities. I mean, it's a very suburban phenomenon. You can tell you're in a good neighborhood when you see a lot of Black Lives Matter signs on white people's lawns. But, you know, like, defund the police. What difference does it make anyway? That's easy to say if you live in Calabasas. If you actually live in Compton, you see what happens when the police cut their shifts by two-thirds. And it's the same thing with this, like saying of dwarves in a movie, how primitive. That's easy to do if you happen to be a dwarf and you're a millionaire. If you're some guy who's two foot shorter than average and you're an actor, your career may just have been ruined. So that's an extreme sideline to the screw up of the movie overall. But yeah, it's a beautiful story that happens to involve dwarves. And if you happen to be very small, you would probably love to be in a Disney motion picture. Well said, my friend. Well said. And thank God uh, we have you to say it. So get the book today. Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me. Available for pre-order now. Amazon.com, wherever books are sold. Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me. Dr. Wilford Riley, have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. The 5 o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelGameMade.com. All right, so Dr. Mike Venaria is having his annual Veterans Day breakfast coming up on Saturday, November the 11th at his office in Cinnaminson, New Jersey, and he'd love to see you there. All veterans are invited, and he's going to have a great salute to them. He does it every year. He does it because he cares about this country, he loves this country, and he appreciates our veterans. And when it comes to giving you a great smile, there is no one, no one better than Dr. Mike Venaria. You know, for, for generations now, he has been serving our community with two offices, Cinnaminson and Woodbury, right over the bridge. And Dr. Mike Venaria puts care above everything else. There are a lot of these chain dental offices out there. Don't go to those you don't want to avoid those please go to the guy who's local who's in the community and for 10 years in a row has been respected and acknowledged by his colleagues as a top dentist in new jersey and of course mama's the only discovered dr mike venaria and my whole family goes there his specialty the expertise what really sets him apart from every other dentist is the fact that dr mike excels in complicated dental implants dental implants and if you've already had a consultation please call him for a second opinion reach out to him for a second opinion because dr mike venaria this is his thing this is what what makes him stand out and you don't you only get one smile so you want to make sure that you're going to the best guy a guy who's not just simply focused on cost but is focused on your care and has been delivering those beautiful smiles that you deserve that's dr mike that's dr mike venaria so please reach out to him today by going to venariadental.com v-a-n-a-r-i-a venaria.com venariadental.com or 856-786-2020 856-786-2020 and don't forget to mark your calendar for the veterans breakfast and free shredding event saturday november the 11th at his cinnamonson office in river on Riverton Road, uh, Saturday, November the 11th, VenariaDental.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Our generation is getting ready to order the pizza. I don't have my pizza oven in yet, so I have to act like a commoner and purchase it. Uh, That's okay. It's all right. It's on order. Don't worry. Somebody said they're fifteen thousand dollars. I trust me, it's not what I'm spending on mine. I, you know, you got I know, I know what I'm doing. I, if you want, email me. I'll give you some tips. I'm more than happy to. I had a gentleman come up to me. I have to. I want to just um, comment for a second. It was very touching on Saturday morning. I was in Gloucester County, New Jersey, and. You know, look, you do this job for a living sometimes and you wonder, it's very easy to say, am I talking to myself, especially when you have producers who literally don't listen to the show. Hey, I'm listening so you right sometimes now. wonder, am I just talking to myself? Now we know that the Zeolier, you see, they didn't even hear that. You see what I, I, what I mean? They, neither of them right commented. Now. Neither of you even heard that. What? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Well, <laughs> well done. Um but no, but seriously, I know the Zioli Army is the most loyal, amazing audience in the history of radio. It's fantastic. And I am always touched when I go to things like the other night in Montgomery County when I spoke at the Republican dinner there. And I and I and believe me, I, I love it. I love meeting you, taking pictures. And it's, I signed a Zioli Army shirt. For, I, I love I love all that stuff because I'm living my dream here. And that's only it's only because you listen. So it's the greatest thing in the world. And I feel like I'm living my dream and also what I was born to do. But every now and then somebody comes up to you and they really touch you. I want to give a, a, a shout out to Jerry LaMola. Jerry LaMola in Gloucester County, New Jersey, came up to me and he said, Rich, you know, your story of Patrick and Claire's adoption, Patrick is turning nine next week. I can't believe it. A week from uh, tomorrow, he'll be nine years old, touched me and my wife and inspired us to adopt a child. And they have a beautiful, beautiful little girl. He showed me the pictures of Liliana. 
a gorgeous little girl who they they uh, adopted when she was uh, just a tiny little baby. And so, Jerry, I'm honored that you and your wife felt inspired by our story. And thank you for sharing that with me because it made my day. It made my whole week. And it reconfirmed that what I what I do does sometimes sometimes make a difference. So thank you for that. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that your daughter is doing very, very well. Uh, and it is it's great. And, and that's what I mean. I mean. We've been on this journey together for a long time. Well, the fact that my son's turning nine in a week is crazy because I was first named the afternoon drive host about a year, a year ago. No, about nine years ago this week or next week, technically. But it was around this time of year. Dick Morris was the afternoon drive host along with Gary Arnell. And I was on at 6 p.m. And then they named me afternoon drive host right around November 6th ish. Patrick was born on November the 11th. So we had to go up to Connecticut and I did the first two weeks of the show up there in Connecticut, because when you adopt a child, there's a, there's a something called an interstate compact law. It's ridiculous. Like my, like most laws in general, they really don't serve a purpose, but parents who adopt a child go through a lot of hurdles. You have to have the state come in and assess your home. You got to go to parenting class. You really do. You have to go to class. You have to learn how to be a parent. Uh, and, and then they come and they check on you and they evaluate you and you got to get references i mean it's a, it's a whole big to do but anyway when you adopt a child you can't leave the state that the child's adopted in until two weeks goes by and you can go you can leave the state i should say that but you can't go back to your state you can go anywhere i could we could have gone to hawaii or alaska but you can't go back to new jersey now why that makes no sense to me because if you're going to run away and, and and you know steal a kid you're probably not going to go back to your home state anyway you're probably you're probably going to go to alaska or or hawaii or, or someplace far away but we were up there and i did the show up there at the uh, radio station in Hartford, Connecticut for two weeks. That was the first that was, and I was just a new afternoon drive. I was, I remember the big topic at the time might've been, I think Bill Cosby was, was which is amazing, but that was, uh, I think the big story at the moment of, of nine years ago. So anyway, it's always uh, great when people come up to me and say something like that. And I've had a couple other people over the years, send me notes and emails. You know, my wife and I are thinking about adopting. Can you recommend an adoption agency for us? And and I'm I'm always happy to do that. So feel free if you ever if you are ever thinking about doing it. I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, we've been blessed with two two children who came to us by way of adoption, and then of course our third child, who is I refer to her as the bio baby surprise. Now she was not made in a lab, and I have to I got to be clear about that because sometimes people think that's what I'm saying. No, just literally Reagan was just a surprise. We didn't think that biologically we could have children after adopting two. So then all of a sudden Reagan showed up. And obviously, the first thing I asked my wife was, well, who's the father? And is he bigger than me? But but there's no question when you see my daughter, she is me. She's a little me. I mean, first of all, she does whatever she wants. She's defiant. She doesn't follow rules. She's loud and she doesn't stop talking. And she looks just like me, but with blonde hair. So she's, you know, the poor thing looks like her dad, you know, uh, except she could have looked like her beautiful mother, but instead she looks like her father. So, you know, anyway. <clears throat> But that's coming up. Uh, Patrick's birthday, which will be the nine-year anniversary of me being a full-time host on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Because even though I was on 6 p.m., we had the Phillies back then, and so I was only on really half the year. 
And oh, they would also bump me for things like women's highlight and Temple basketball and, and Penn State basketball, which they're going to do again at six o'clock. And the three of us on this program, me, myself, executive producer, Matt DeSantis, associate producer, Henry Machette. We cannot wait until that occurs. We are all counting down the days till 6 p.m. Basketball comes back. Am I right, gentlemen? I mean, <laughs> the countdown clock is on. I mean, that the women's highlight. I mean, I can't I can't wait. <laughs> I oh, can't wait please. to get back into it. Yeah, and I will, of course, I will always act like, ah, oh, I can't believe they're bumping me for sports, but, you know, um, there you go. Um, we'll, we'll pretend. We'll certainly pretend. There'll be a little winking there. Anyway, nine years uh, in afternoon drive with a, with a short uh, three, four-year deviation into mornings and then back to afternoon drive where, where I belong because I just love reacting to the breaking news like this that just came out a few moments ago. Thank you to Matt for sending this to me. An appeals court Friday ordered an administrative stay of a gag order barring former President Trump from targeting witnesses and the prosecutors in his federal election interference case, temporarily pausing its implementation ahead of further legal battles. The order from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals also expedites the case. The decision tees up a similar legal battle already litigated in a lower court where Judge Tanya Chutkin determined the threats and harassment resulting from Trump's social media taunts posed danger to the case and his subjects, barring him from speech that would target those involved in the case. Like the appeals court, she agreed to an administrative stay of her order after Trump appealed her decision, ultimately siding with the Justice Department on Sunday that the gag order should remain in place while Trump continues the battle to have her division overturned. Uh, The United States Department of Justice standing with uh, the gag order. They want the gag order because they want to shut Donald Trump up because obviously it is the United States Department of Justice that is doing all of this in going after Donald Trump to try to stop him from becoming president of the United States of America. So it's no surprise that they want a a gag order on him. And as the far right wing ACLU pointed out, the special counsel is a public figure and the judge in the New York case is a public figure. And Trump has every right to call out public figures and he's every right to criticize his government. Just because the government is prosecuting you, you don't lose your right to to, uh, criticize your government. There's nothing in the First Amendment that says you have the right to speak out against your government unless they're prosecuting you. That, that's, that's not how it works. It's just simply not how it works. So this three-judge panel on the appeals court gave Trump's team until Tuesday to make their case why Chukin's gag order should remain on ice throughout the course of his appeal. Trump's team has argued that Chukin's order is a violation of his First Amendment rights, which it is, one that could hamper his electoral prospects. Quote, as the court has explained, the First Amendment rights of participants in criminal proceedings must yield when necessary to the orderly administration of justice. A principle reflected in Supreme Court precedent, said the judge in the order. And contrary to defendant's argument, the right to a fair trial is not his alone, but belongs also to the government and the public. What? That is insane. The right to a fair trial is not his alone, but also belongs to the government and the public. No, the government doesn't have the right to a fair trial. The right that we have is the right to protect ourselves from our government. That's what we have. That's what we have. 
So please don't even sit here and tell me that the government has the right to a fair trial. No, no, no. Everything enshrined in the Bill of Rights, everything is about protecting you from your government because the government has so much power to destroy you, which is why you have the First Amendment right to criticize your government. And every single right that is enshrined in the Bill of Rights, enshrined in the Constitution of the United States of America, every single one of those rights is about protecting you from your government, including your right to speak out and criticize. The government doesn't have a right to a fair trial. That's nonsense. I've never heard of anything so stupid in my life. But at least the appeals court has paused the gag order in the federal case. At least that's some good news for former President Donald Trump at this point right now on a Friday at 5.50 p.m. But don't think this is over over and 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 look you know the aclu for years has gone off the rails being a bunch of lefty lunatics but the fact that they came out and they said that this gag order is unconstitutional is exactly 100 percent correct and i give them credit for that they deserve that uh let me play for you a clip here this is um a campaign idea that donald trump has a new online and free federal american academy to compete with universities i'm curious what you think of this let me know your take on this cut number three in recent weeks americans have been horrified to see students and faculty at harvard and other once respected universities expressing support for the savages and jihadists who attacked israel We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's time to offer something dramatically different. Under the plan I'm announcing today, we will take the billions and billions of dollars that we will collect by taxing, fining, and suing excessively large private university endowments And we will then use that money to endow a new institution called the American Academy. Its mission will be to make a truly world-class education available to every American, free of charge, and do it without adding a single dime to the federal debt. This institution will gather an entire universe of the highest quality educational content covering the full spectrum of human knowledge and skills, and make that material available to every American citizen online for free. Whether you want lectures or ancient histories or an introduction to financial accounting or training in a skilled trade, the goal will be to deliver it and get it done properly. Using study groups, mentors, industry partnerships, and the latest breakthrough in computing, this will be a truly top-tier education option for the people. It will be strictly non-political, and there will be no wokeness or jihadism allowed. None of that's going to be allowed. Most importantly, the American Academy will compete directly with the existing and very costly four-year university system by granting students degree credentials that the U.S. government and all federal contractors will henceforth recognize. The Academy will award the full and complete equivalent of a bachelor's degree. In addition to help the 40 million Americans who have some college education but no degree, the American Academy will grant credit for past coursework at legacy institutions and give you the chance to complete your education at the American Academy for free and much more quickly than is now possible or available. This will be a revolution in higher education and will provide life-changing opportunities for tens of millions of our citizens. 
Enjoy it, learn from it, and thank you. That's a good idea, actually. I think it's a very, very good plan. Why not? More competition, the better. That's the way I look at it. And obviously, the government funds a lot of colleges and a lot of schools. So, hey, listen, competition is a good thing and nothing wrong with that, in my in my opinion. Uh, here's something else, too, that I thought was, was a very interesting to share with you. You remember how yesterday I made the point that the Democrats are siding with the IRS over Israel? The Democrats have chosen to stand with the IRS and not Israel. Because yesterday when the House voted to fund Israel on a standalone measure and to cut funding for the IRS to pay for it, Democrats were they were so upset because they said there's no that means then we're not going to get our money for Ukraine, the perpetual Ukraine funding. And also we want to keep the IRS as bloated as possible to be able to come after the citizenry. That means you. They come after you if you're selling handmade things on Etsy or your babysitting or whatever else. Democrats decided that they were going to stand with the IRS and not stand with Israel. And they're doubling down on this. So House Minority Leader, election denier Hakeem Jeffries, who still to this day says that Russia stole the election and that, that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, said that multiple times throughout Trump's presidency, by the way. Hakeem Jeffries says Democrats have made it clear what they're going to do on this issue. Cut number four. Our objective from the very beginning was to back President Biden who made clear that he would veto the irresponsible bill put forward by House Republicans. We made it clear that that veto would be sustained, not just marginally, but decisively, if it ever made it back to the House, which it will not. There you go. Democrats stand with the IRS and Republicans stand with Israel. It was a brilliant Machiavellian tactic by the Republicans. It really was. It was brilliant. And everybody should use the line that I came up with, which is that Democrats stand with the IRS over Israel because it's a brilliant line. If I do say so myself. Uh, and let's uh, another clip for you that I, I thought I would share. I, I talked to this with Dr. Wilford Riley a little bit earlier, but the actual clip of the well, I'll do this in the six o'clock hour of what the Target CEO said. Also, in the six o'clock hour, we're going to have a great conversation with our friend who's running for the state Senate in New Jersey. Uh, he's a good guy, and I hope he really wins. Chris Del Borello is going to be my guest in the 6 o'clock hour on a busy, busy Friday. Man, what a week it's been. Absolutely crazy stuff. So fourth and final hour coming up straight ahead. But before I turn it over to my fourth and final hour with me hosting, I want to just thank Cooper University Healthcare for being South Jersey's leading academic health system. Cooper is outstanding. It's where I had my surgery it's where our bio baby surprise baby reagan was born cooper hospital and it's where the zioli family goes for all of our medical care from primary care to advanced specialty care cooper has it all for you and your family including the specialty care available at the md anderson cancer center at cooper the md anderson cancer center at cooper life changing work there i mean they are saving lives there they they are so dedicated the doctors the nurses the dedication that they have is just absolutely uh, amazing and also the cooper neurological institute where they are doing groundbreaking work on stroke dementia and if you need an appointment for your family, whether it's for everyday primary care or more than the 75 specialties, give them a call at 1-800-8-COOPER, 1-800-8-COOPER, or go to cooperhealth.org. Remember, Cooper is committed, compassionate, and complete, and there for your family every step of the way. Cooperhealth.org. 
Bridge Seoli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 